Okay, so you're in town and you're running errands. Something you do normally every day. You go to the post office, you're going to get some groceries. Maybe you stopped at the public library. It could be you're a kid in high school taking in a history lesson. And all of a sudden you see paratroopers falling from the skies. You've got military vehicles coming into town, blocking off intersections. What do you do? What do you do? Well, let me tell you what you do. You simply sit down and you put in 1984's classic Red Dawn with Patrick Swayze, Jennifer Grey, C. Thomas Howell, Charlie Sheen, Leah Thompson, Powers Booth, and more, and you learn from them. I mean, after all, they are the one and only. So sit back, take a listen. We hope you enjoy the show today. Let me know what you think. Drop us a line. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. And share it with all your friends and family. Hey everybody, this is Chris reminding you to follow us everywhere where you get your favorite podcasts at. We are on iHeartRadio. We are at Amazon Music, Google Music. We are at Anger.fm, which we're hosted. Most of all, we are on iTunes and Spotify. Please make sure when you listen to us on iTunes and Spotify to give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. It does help a lot in the ratings. It's very much appreciated. I've also been asked, hey, how can I help support the show? Well, there's two different ways you can do that. Actually, three. The first two ways are we have on the anchor.fm site that we're hosted on a button that says support podcast. You can there press that button and donate any number of money that you like, whether it be a dollar, two dollars, ten dollars, whatever you feel like doing. I've also signed up for buy me a coffee. If you go to the Instagram page for Retro Life for You, there is a link there in the profile where you can buy me a virtual coffee and it's you supporting the podcast and helping us keeping things going. The third and most important way, though, is word of mouth and telling your friends and family about the show and sharing us with everybody. That is a huge help all on its own. Everything you do is appreciated, and it will help the podcast go a long, long way. Thanks for being our listeners and supporters. Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to the show, Retro Live for You. My name is Chris Adams, host of the show. Sitting in with us this week, we have Tibidar from the Three Cousins uh, podcast. Sorry, uh, but drew a blank that point. Sucks when you get old, people. Okay, I'm getting old. I can't help it. Just excuse me. Look over me. But hey, if you will, man, tell us about your podcast you guys have going on. I was on their podcast just a few weeks ago. It just released last week. I shared that in case y'all missed it. But tell us about the podcast. So the three cousins podcast, uh, just it's it's three cousins. We uh, we all are about the same age, but we really didn't. After we were kids, we really didn't see each other a lot. As a matter of fact, we went like fifteen years where the three of us weren't in the same room at the same time. Um, we uh, we kind of just it's kind of a lighthearted thing, right? I mean, but the underlying uh, theme that we try to present is we don't always agree on everything, but hmm. we manage to get along regardless. You know, even if we're calling each other morons on the show, we're still friends. We, you know, it's at the end of the day, we're still, you know, we're still really good friends, actually. And so we tackle some pretty, uh, pretty, you know, pretty important issues like, you know, should you fold or, or hang your T-shirts or uh, who makes the best barbecue or, um, you know, what's the best Quentin Tarantino flick? Um, but The essentials. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, very, very important things in life. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's just three cousins. I mean, we're just kind of get on there and have a have a chat about the topic of the week. And uh, I don't know, we, we have a good time with it anyway. I know that people seem to like it. So I, I was kind of surprised. I really didn't think anybody would want to hear us argue. <laughs> Dude, you would be surprised what people want to listen to these days. I mean, people are so into reality TV. This is what I like to refer to as just reality audio because we're just being ourselves. Usually as we're talking, I'm not on here trying to talk in a radio voice to make people think I'm more exquisite. No, <laughs> you do it pretty well though, man. You could be on the afternoon show. You know, I'm not doing stuff like that. <laughs> That's pointless. It's what's the fun in it. You know, uh, right. normally we get on here, we'll pick a movie. We'll talk about it. It's usually what both people usually like, though, so we're kind of positive about it. We don't usually have somebody to play devil's advocate. 
I may sometimes throw a twist in there just to have a little fun or something, but it's usually just hanging out like we're hanging out in the living room talking about, hey, remember this movie when we were younger? You know, this was great, wasn't it? It's on TV tonight. Let's watch it. Yeah, and stuff like that. That's the whole point in having it. And, and so people will tune in to listen and watch you guys pick at each other, have fun with each other, because they can tell you got a good relationship with your friends and everything, and that you you love what you're doing. And that's the whole thing. I mean, if you were fighting on there constantly, now people might not tune in for that because you sound serious, you know, but what, you guys are going at it pretty good when I was on there with you also. Uh, I would say that uh, people take that like, you know, pretty lighthearted. And we were talking about um, things that we had as kids that kids don't deal with today, I believe, wasn't it? Yep, yep. Things like, like you know, VCRs and pagers and <laughs> rotary phones and yeah. The sound the internet made when it dialed up. Oh, man. That 50-foot phone cord that you had to have to get around the corner so you could talk to somebody in private, not not in the middle of the kitchen. And don't go further than 50 feet because your sound quality starts to get worse or something. Yeah. You know, along with the phone cord, the worse the connection was, it seemed, man. It was crazy. But, uh, you know, we got something for you guys tonight, though, that goes back just as far. And it is the movie Red Dawn we're talking about tonight. Not to be confused with the re-released version of Red Dawn that took place in the city with, um, I believe it was Chris Hemsworth, wasn't it? I, honestly, I've tried to block that out from my mind. I'm not going to lie to you. I've watched the uh, the original Red Dawn, I don't know, I, I, probably a hundred times at this point in my life. I mean, it's been out for a bit and I've watched it quite a bit. But uh, that that uh, 20, whatever, 2010, 2012, whatever version that was, I think I might have watched that through one time. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's 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 one of the Hemsworth brothers. I know. I think it's the one that uh, plays Thor in Avengers. I think it's Chris Hemsworth. They had I a couple of had, had a couple of newer people that's been out in some movies today, but I don't really know them too well. Except the one that played his brother, he was in a couple of things. But the original, though, I'm gonna start off by telling you the release date, how much it made, what the budget was, and stuff. Then we'll go to the to the, the cast, which was very. I mean, to be to be a poet and not know it, it was a vast cast. Okay, it was very yeah. big. A lot of people on there that went on to do a lot of great things. But uh, release date, August the 10th, 1984. Estimated budget was $17 million. The opening weekend, U.S. and Canada made $8,230,381. And it grossed worldwide, it said, $38,376,497. Now, worldwide apparently consists of U.S. and Canada. That's the same numbers. <laughs> Uh, I guess Russia didn't want to play it because we shot. We, we took a shot at them. You know, you're invading the country. We're killing you all. Um, same for some other countries that were teaming with them in it. So I, I don't know what the, what the case was. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was released in other countries. I'm just playing, but it doesn't. It just says worldwide that the cast, though, man. You you mentioned this earlier about how many people were in it and what all they went to do. I mean, ton of people. Patrick Swayze, C. Thomas Howell. Leah Thompson, Charlie Sheen, Jennifer Grey. Uh, I can't say Darren Dalton went on to do a whole lot, but no. Uh, but Powers Booth definitely had done stuff before and after that, right? And then Harry the one Dean. that got me was uh, William Smith, uh, who was a, uh, a KGB or, or a Russian, uh, I don't know, Colonel or Major or something in a movie. He has been doing movies. He moved from like the 1940s TV shows or whatever from the 40s all the way up into almost the 2000s. Hey, I think you're freezing up a little bit just to give you a heads up. I started to hear your voice go robotic oh. for a second and then your screen froze right. for just a second. Just You said to let you know if it happened, so just a heads up. Uh, he also, William, I'm glad you mentioned William Smith. I was going to mention him too because he's also the guy that I've seen on multiple TV shows and not to mention with Clint Eastwood, I think it was was it, was it any which way you can or every which way but loose? One of the two, I'm sure. One of the two. He, he's the guy that came in to fight him at the end, that fought with him in the bar but fought against him in the end. Yeah, well, and he was even, uh, he was Conan's dad in the first Conan movie. Yes, yeah. I mean, he's been around for a good bit, to say the least. Yeah. Um, Harry Dean Stanton, he's done it quite a bit. He, was, he played Mr. Eckert in it. Um, I remember him and later on being in some things. I think he was in the Green Mile later on, playing the janitor in there. And he was in uh, some Steven Seagal movie called Fire Down Below. 
As, <laughs> I, I think he was in as a, uh, one of the town guys that let him come fix his porch or, or something like that. He didn't want to get involved in what was going on, but he secretly was telling him stuff so he could bust the the big corporation that was dumping stuff in their in their mountains. I the rest of them were just kind of you know here and there for me. Right. Uh, can't say I know uh, Frank McRae had a small part as the teacher, and he was in quite a few of the movies. We've seen him in playing police sergeants and. Um, Lock up with Sylvester Stallone as one of the inmates, things of that nature. So a lot of them have gone on to do other things. Now the, the ones we mentioned up top, though, were the most successful in Swayze, Hal, Sheen, Thompson, and Gray, uh, along with Powers Booth, obviously. Uh, most successful of the bunch in the movie, but we could spend a whole hour talking about what movies they all went on to make, and that wouldn't that wouldn't be nothing. The movie itself, the way it starts out, is is kind of unique. They're in a classroom setting. And, and where they're at and teacher is talking about history to the students and i really can't remember the history the, the history lesson he was giving them but he was talking to them about roughly uh some kind of historical thing that involved war i think well suddenly in the background you have got paratroopers coming down out of the sky just dropping down and they're everywhere and the kids and him are all looking and the teacher's like you know well, you guys are way off course, it looks like. And the, the kids are all looking at it, amazed at what's going on. And then there we go. We've got them dropping down. They're starting to unload weaponry and everything. So I was just talking about, since you, uh, you just popped back in, I was talking about the beginning of the movie where the paratroopers were falling in and starting the attack on the school. Now, I, I, I never really understood the whole purpose of just attacking a school full of children unless they didn't know where they were attacking. But, you know, it's making their presence known for sure. I think it was truly they it wasn't only the school that was attacked at first because you see once they get into town there's there's been attacks everywhere, but I think they just parachuted into anywhere that was kind of a clear uh drop zone and probably you know that field or whatever next to the school property was as good as any right and now there's there's a funny thing about <laughs> about the uh the ones dropping in. Five of the 36 paratroopers in the beginning of the movie got blown as much as a mile off course during filming. One of them got stuck in a tree. He had to convince the locals as best he could. He was not really an enemy soldier attacking them or anything. People seen him and how he was dressed. And they thought, oh no, World War III is happening right here. They're attacking us. They're attacking us. They're dropping people in. I mean, can you imagine that? You were well, I mean, this, this was at the height of the Cold War. I mean, the, the you know they, they were filming this in whatever eighty three or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and honestly, he's probably really lucky that people had not seen the movie yet because if people weren't uh, fearing the Red Menace before Red Dawn came out, boy, after Red Dawn came out, you know, I know it would have been the first thing on my mind had I seen some Russian paratrooper stuck in a tree. <laughs> right, that'd be the first thing you're thinking of. And you might not have asked no questions. You might have shot first and asked second. He's he's probably lucky that he didn't get shot by somebody. Truth be known. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I was going to do this episode we're doing now a couple of weeks ago because I thought it was perfect timing, but it kind of got delayed in getting it done. I couldn't do it at that time. But think you think about it, this is kind of a perfect time to be talking about Red Dawn. Here we have Chinese balloons flying everywhere, getting shot down or <laughs> flying over our country. They won't shoot it down. They're saying it's a spy balloon or something, taking pictures and taking um, intelligence and everything about what we got. You know, it blew off course. They said it was just a weather balloon, but conveniently, it's going over areas where there's nuclear silos and bases mm -hmm. and everything, right? So. It, it makes you wonder because, I mean, and we all have a right to wonder on it, whether something like that could happen because let's face it. I mean, our relationship with China is not exactly a hundred percent in the good. No, definitely not. And really even Russia nowadays, I mean, not that it's as bad as it was in the eighties, but even Russia, I mean, you know, the, the invasion of Ukraine and stuff and uh, um, the posturing kind of on both sides, as a matter of fact, um, the, the Wolverines, uh, battle cry has kind of spread itself to the Ukraine. They, they've been spray painting yes. that on Russian vehicles and stuff, just like <laughs> they did in the movie. I saw that and boy, I laughed. That well, it's is one of those places where life imitates art, right? I mean, how awesome is that? 
Yeah. Because we're talking about stuff like this, enjoying our flashbacks and the movies we grew up enjoying and watching and still watch today. And you see an actual war going on and people are mimicking this movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to say paying homage to it, but it's, it's just to make the Russians mad, I think, because we made fun of them in the movie. A group of high school kids were kicking their butts. Mm-hmm. And now this, you know, s- supposed to be a smaller area in Ukraine is standing up to them and taking the hits and hitting right back. And they're not... They're not falling to them. Right. And so they're putting the Wolverine thing on all their stuff just to rub it in a little bit more. Yep. Of the one that I, I would say the way this started, I mean, there's a lot going on all at once. You Like you said, towns being invaded. The school got invaded. A lot of places are, are going on here with roadblocks set up. Um, it hadn't been long since you see Swayze's character of Jed dropping off his uh, brother, Matt, and their friend at school. That he's back in the school again, looking for them to get in the truck, you know, for him mm-hmm. to get in the truck, get in the truck. And he's getting as many as he can in the back of the truck and taking off. Um, they think they're going to go through town, not knowing what's going on. They get caught almost in town, have to bypass that and take off and get shot at and chased just to get saved in a field, luckily for them, that because some of ours are finally flown in, seeing yep. what's going on and come over and took care of that. Um, they, um, had stopped already. No, had they, had they stopped already at that point at the gas station, or was that after that? They had stopped already at the gas station because that was when they were they were basically headed to the mountains yeah. with the supplies that they had got from the gas station when they uh got hit by that roadblock and uh, ended up going through that field. And um, yeah, Chopper came down with some uh, some rockets and lit up the Russians, and they were able to keep on getting it. Right. And then they found out that their radiator was empty, and that was a pretty major scene in the movie, I can recall. <laughs> Which gives you the life, one of the, I don't say it's a lifelong question, but I mean, it does make you wonder, can you really pee in the radiator and get enough out of it to take care of the problem? I, I don't, think I've never had to go that, hey, I've never had to go that bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, think, I, mean I, I can drink water all day long and hold it as long as I can and never even come close to filling up a quarter of that radiator. Yeah, I mean, if you if you had six friends with you, I, that's a pretty tall order. Yeah, it's a pretty tall order for sure. But it was a it, it was a fun thing for the movie, though. It was like, yeah. hey, you said it, get up there and pee in it. Come on, see if it yeah. works. Yeah. Oh, but if it's leaking, if it got shot and it's leaking, what point was there to pee in the radiator anyway? Because it's gonna come right back out when it starts. Well, no, I think they were intimating that he had uh, jammed it with either, either jammed it with, with a a hunk of lead or uh, some JB weld or something. I think he had, had had Jerry rigged it, but they just didn't have any water. Okay. Okay. Well, that would be different then, but it just gives you the idea that, you know, like one person stood up there, peed in it for a minute. Now they're good. They're going to get wherever they want to go. I just don't think it works quite that way. No, but the other thing I thought was funny was they had stolen cases of pop. From that, yeah. not stolen, pardon me, taken cases of pop from that gas station. And they didn't think about dumping some coke in there. Because, I mean, you know, once again, I think there's probably a lot more coke in that can than urine in my bladder. Well, they didn't want to waste all that. That's for later. They're going to be thirsty now. Uh, but, you know, to, to know what just, I mean, you, in this short period of time, you grab people up, you've left out, you're trying to escape and get out of town. You pull over to that gas station because you see nothing's happening. It's one of the kids' father's gas station. Yep. And he tells them, load up on everything, batteries, you know, ammo, guns. One of them even takes a football. Yep. Got to have, yep. have a pastime, I guess, sleeping time, lanterns, whatever you can get your hands on, load up and take it. Um, and, and, and they do, and they get out, and they get up there. I mean, obviously, it's not enough to last them for a long, long time. But they can hunt, they can fish, they can they can eat, but eventually they're going to have to go somewhere because those batteries are going to run out pretty quick. They're going to yeah. need to keep in touch somehow, hear what's going on on the radio, pick up on some chatter if they can or something, because you can't hide forever, basically. They hit a good long time before they started actually fighting, but you know you can't do it forever. I did. Well, like- they decided to wander back into town when they, you know, when they did get to that point. They they were out of. Wow, well, I think I think the the catalyst was they were out of the prepackaged food that they had, you know, liberated from the gas station, and they were down to just meat that they. And oh, uh, there was there's some scene about uh, where do you think hamburger comes from? And it, well, nobody shoots it. Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess maybe they don't shoot it, but it, it was an animal on the hoof that got killed, and you eat it, you know. 
So yeah, then they uh, then they wander back through town and they kind of come through this battlefield and they're like, man, it looks like this stuff's been here for a thousand years and it's these tanks and stuff that are half burned up and right. Um, they wander back into Calumet. It, it makes and, you wonder. It, it kind of makes you wonder, like an invasion's one thing, and you know they've always said nobody would ever invade our country because nobody would be brave enough to invade the country because pretty much ninety percent of the households have guns in them. Mm-hmm. Guns and ammo, you know, and people wouldn't hesitate to start shooting if they see this happening in that case. It makes you wonder how believable a situation like that would be with people coming into the country like way, choosing one specific area that they want to target. So, I mean, maybe you, you choose a very low populated area and you drop down into it and you take it over, but... I mean, they got things there. How did they get all these things there that were vehicles and everything? I don't surely you weren't dropping everything out of a plane. I mean, I think in the movie they had intimated that they did, but so later on in the flick, if it if you dig into it, they talk about how the Cubans and Nicaraguans came up from Mexico and linked up with this Russian force that had right. had parachuted in and uh and if you go back even further than that, the catalyst for them invading was a poor crop in Russia over a, over a year or two or whatever. That kind of drove them to like, look, we're going to end up having to starve or we got to invade somebody. I think they picked the wrong place to invade, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, they always talk us up of being like a superpower, like we're real big, we're huge. But in the movie, it's not really portrayed as much because this small force of people, and I say small, I'm sure it's you know bigger than what it's in my mind, but still relatively small compared to what you need to invade an entire country. You would think that we would be able to overpower something like that and go in and just take everything out, and that would be it. It wouldn't go on for months and months. Yeah, I I I agree. Um, a little bit of movie magic, maybe. Yeah, I mean it's all for story. We understand it's all for story and everything. I, you know, because a movie's not necessarily supposed to be believable. Right. We want something to be entertained by. So it's if you know they were to invade and then we squashed them in three days. What's entertaining about that? Um, now, real life, you're probably cheering. And it's like, yeah, you know, we got we got you. Uh, but I mean, it's not making much of a movie for you at that point. Uh, and they say here Patrick Swayze got frostbite during filming. Yeah, partial frostbite in his fingers or something, I believe. I believe so. Uh, he said it. Uh, he said sometimes it still feels like having toothpicks shut up his fingernails when he gets too cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once you get frostbite it. in the hands, it's crazy. Uh, well, and they did not shoot this in Colorado, if I remember right. They shot it in uh, like New Mexico, and uh, that desert does get cold. It can, yeah, hot during the day, cold at night. I mean, you never know which way you're going to turn, especially if you get into an area. Or deserts might run into mountains, and then yep. mountains you've got definitely the cold from that. Um, they said C. Thomas Howell was a rodeo cowboy at one point. I didn't know that at all. That's interesting news. But he helped teach the rest of the cast how to ride horses. Um, I wonder how many of them actually were able to ride the horses very well for the distance. Because, like in the movie Young Guns, they talk about uh, Charlie Sheen and. Um, uh, quite a few of them had never really rode horses, and Charlie Sheen didn't ride any of the horses. All he sat on a horse a couple of times and did some things, but he would not ride the horse anywhere really. Interesting. Um, so I think said a lot of them while were falling off, hitting the ground quite a bit. They did learn and be taught, and some of them picked up on it fairly well. Some of them already knew. I wonder when these this group here though, how many of them actually knew how to ride horses and could and really took to it well. I don't know. I know that they said that they did like an eight week or six week or something. I mean, not not a boot camp, but a boot camp, a training so that they would be familiar with the weapons that they were using. Right. And they may have thrown some horsemanship in when they did that. I don't know. That's quite possible. Definitely quite possible. The uh, I wonder, you know, something else. Was what we were talking a moment ago about having to go back in town at one point. Now, you remember the first time they go back into town? They, you know, Jed finally agrees. Says, okay, I, you're right. We're going to have to go in at some point. Let's go ahead and go in today. So they go in. They go into town. They go into this one shop. They try talking to several people along the way, and they all turn their heads from him and won't look at them and keep walking. Mm-hmm. And they're like, man, what's wrong with them? They're ignoring us like we got the plague or something. So he says, well, let's go in the shop over here and talk to so-and-so here. She'll know what's going on. 
So they go in there and she tells them, you know, they're all being looked for right now. Like they've got posters for them or something. They're they're looking for you as we as we speak. Well, why are you sticking around in town at that point talking to more people? I didn't how are they not I wonder how they didn't really somebody didn't see them coming to the town at least. Um you know, how, how does you come in to you get your head down, your collar pulled up? You know, maybe they're not paying close attention to you. You're just some other person in town. They're still letting roam about like they were doing. But, I mean, talk about a ballsy thing to do at that point. Yeah. You know, knowing yep. that you're still being looked for. And I, I think it's about at that point, uh, wasn't it, that they really start fighting back? Well, um, she told them where they were keeping some of the prisoners at this prison camp because they were looking for their dads. Yeah. And part of the deal was all these guys' families had been put in these prison camps because these guys were on the loose. Yeah. And so they had taken all their families and locked them up. Uh, re-education camps, they call them. Right. And they uh, so that night after they had uh, been in town, they went to this re-education camp. And uh, that was with the I think that was the Harry Dean Stanton scene where he says, you know, boys. Mm-hmm. Avenge me because you know he knows he's dying in this camp, right? Right. Well, and then later on in a couple more scenes, they saw that the people from that camp got executed, and that was when it was on. So they were like, "There's nothing, you know, nothing left but to fight." Right, and some of the stuff they did was actually pretty smart. You know, for for a group of kids who really didn't have any military training or anything digging trenches in the field and covering them back up and or putting the door back down and covering it up with you know stuff that was already on the ground looked like it was just a part of the ground mm-hmm. the girls the girls being bait knowing where to run by to pull them into it suckering them in for you know to kill mm-hmm. uh getting weapons off of them just stealing weapons from their places where they're storing them at i mean they had their hands on a rocket launcher they had a lot of machine guns now they're getting their hands on and everything it's not just some just some hunting rifles and some pistols and some extra rounds now we're talking they're getting bigger equipment and more ready to go yep uh, it's not like they're running around in tanks or anything like that mind you but i mean they're doing a lot of damage just cutting you know cutting supplies off and doing small things to them just nipping away at them enough to irritate them and and tick them off right and 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 what makes them the most mad is is that they know it's a group of kids why can't we get our hands on them well, yeah, because they're they're spray painting their graffiti on everything that they blow up. You know, every, right. every scene you see where they killed a tank or killed a uh, shot a truck up or whatever, they're painting Wolverines on it. So these these Russians know, or Cubans, Russians, Cubans, whatever, they know who's doing it. You know, this ain't right. some special forces that dropped in behind their lines. This is a bunch of kids. Uh, I mean, it's it's it, in a sense, it's hilarious, man, because like I said, a group of kids just can't be caught. And they have no previous, you know, obviously no previous military experience. I mean. No, but I think that was part of the the selling point of the movie, too, is that, you know, kind of one of these, you can do this, too, you know. Right. Um, I guess I've seen the movie portrayed both ways in that it is an anti-war movie because, you know, there there's consequences and, and war is terrible and these kids are out there, you know, you know, braving the elements and braving the Russians and, and, you know, and, and dying. And also in that it's a little bit of an action adventure flick, you know, with, you know, you know, movie magic, I guess. Right. Uh, I was, this is always a big running joke. Uh, I lived in Florida for 10 years before I moved back home. So I'm back home in Tennessee. Now I live maybe 30 minutes outside of Nashville between Nashville and Fort Campbell's base, uh, the, the Fort Campbell army base. And uh, in Florida, some people would be like, what would you do if somebody invaded here? You know, what, what are you going to do? You know, if uh, if our country comes to a point to where we're so divided, it results back in a civil war again or something. What are you going to do? I'm like, I guess I'm going to move back home to Tennessee where all them good old boys are. They know how to take care of themselves. I'm and it's out. always, real seriously, Mad Max is a bad idea. It's always a better idea to get home. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I'm just picturing the looks on their faces. Um, they're like the good old boys. I'm like, I use a term, you know. I mean, the guys there, you know, they know how. If it come down to it, I mean, in all honesty, do you want a country boy on your side that knows how to fish and hunt and make do with the stuff around them and 
how they can get by and live for a while, or do you want to be in New York City where their loss at the pizza place on the corner is closed down? I well, I and not only that, I mean, and I don't, you know, I've whatever, I've kind of lived in the country my entire life. And um, and maybe it's because I have lived in the country my entire life, but the city seems like it's when the lights go out in the city, it's very dark. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I one of my cousins that does the podcast with me over there, he came up and visited me and he said, man, it's dark here at night. And I says, yeah, it's dark here because we don't have like a street light on every corner. But on the other hand, when the lights go out in that city because the power's out. Oh, it's dark. Oh, yeah. You know. Literally get away with anything you wanted to, probably. Yeah, yeah. And nobody would see a thing and know any better. But, I mean, that's the kind of situation you're used to, though, at that point. You know, growing up, like you said, in the country and area. The place where I'm at here, uh, like you said, no streetlights on every corner. If you're in in the town portion of it, of course, there's, there's adequate lighting and everything. Right. But the further out you go, no, you got one street light in your yard if you got it turned on. Uh, you can always opt to get one where you can have it turned off if you don't need to use it, or it can be motion activated or something. And by, by street light, I'm sorry, I mean like floodlights or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, yeah, not a big street light pole or anything. Hey, everybody, I hope you're enjoying the show today, but bear with me just one moment while I get a quick word in from a good friend of the show of ours, Tim, at 80s Flicks Flashbacks. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and listen to an 80s flick flashback podcast once in a while, you could miss it. Do you love movies of a certain age? Do you miss the days of VHS tapes, VCRs, and the video rental stores? Does the thought of another 80s movie being remade seem inconceivable? My name is Tim Williams. I'm the creator and host of the 80s flick flashback podcast. On each episode, I'm joined by guest co-host to discuss one of the many movies released in the 1980s. We share our first-time watch memories, our favorite scenes, and even learn some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. New episodes are released every other Friday on your favorite podcasting platform. So make like a tree, get out of here, and go listen to an excellent episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. The ad is over. Go home. Go. So, I mean, learning how to maneuver your way around in the dark and everything like that and knowing where you're going, have a feel for it and everything, uh, knowing what you can and can't do, you know, and and I don't know a great deal about some of the things in the woods. If you get deep woods and everything here, you know, like you're talking, oh, don't eat that berry, you know. Certain ones, yeah, I know not to touch because, you know, the leaves and everything on it. But the average person will go out there and see berries and start eating them. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're either on the ground or your stomach is wrenching or something because mm-hmm. you shouldn't have eaten this. Uh, that's the reason. That's one of the reasons why I didn't like the remake so much because it takes place in the city. And I'm thinking, yeah, there's not a whole lot you can do there. I mean, they go off at first to get away at a, to, to a cabin. They get chased away from there out into the woods a little bit to a little cave setting it looks like but most of the stuff takes place in the city with the fighting and everything it's just it doesn't do it for me it's not the same yeah no definitely. powers booth we mentioned him earlier he brings a different feel to it, a different aspect to it uh yeah whatever. he's an adult he's actually in the military because he's a you know an air force uh lieutenant colonel uh you know so he has and he actually kind of has a little bit more of the worldview of the war that's going on where these kids have you know they have a very localized point of view, very focused, but he's been out and he's, you know, he's seen what's going on. He has a wife that's trapped behind enemy lines in Texas. And he's, you know, he talks about the siege that's been going on in Denver for months, you know, and these people are eating rats and, and, you know, whatever else they can get their hands on and, and kind of gives the kids some perspective maybe of what's going on outside of their camp. And, you know, I can't remember, do they ever really lay out, what was considered free America versus occupied territory. So they talk about the, the Russians or the Cubans and that came up through Texas and, and met with Russian brigades that had come through Alaska and cut the pipelines and come down through Canada. But apparently the West coast and the East coast were still free America. So, um, you know, it was, it was somewhere. 
they were kind of trapped in the mountains. It seemed like the Russians were kind of trapped in the mountains. It seemed like, cause they didn't want to have, they didn't want to be in the open territory. They wanted to be somewhere defensible and definitely the Rocky mountains are defensible for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm not sure that they give exact like landmarks and stuff, but they talk about, actually they do give at some point, they talk about what cities, but they talk about nukes going off in cities too, that kind of, may have uh enforced the no man's land you know if, if they drop four nukes down you know in uh nebraska and omaha and you know kansas city or something and kind of blocked that side of the country off or or irradiated it anyway well i mean when he he gets in there and picks up it's like their attacks are more coordinated now and everything is he's like he's got the experience he knows what he's mm-hmm. doing one of the girls ends up falling for him i think that was uh leah thompson's character yeah, and that was actually supposed to be a more major part of the story. And actually, I uh, read something that she's on an interview or something years ago that that's why she took the role was this, uh, you know, you know, young freedom fighter girl falls in love with the old uh, Air Force guy. And then the apparently, I don't know if it was a studio or, or just Milius took it out because ours booth was so much older than her and it was kind of bad TV at that point. Right, because it looked like it was like an inappropriate relationship of yeah. an adult taking advantage of a younger kid. She's supposed to be a teenager, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, next thing you know, there's old men and teenagers getting married right and left. I guess, <laughs> yeah. So, no man, no man I ever knew would look for a young woman. Never. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Definitely not. So, no one's looking to trade in their older model for a younger one at all. Nobody. Don't nope. worry, ladies. That's not look. It's not happening. That's good. Yeah. Did I get you out of the doghouse with that one, or are you still there? Yeah. I'm sorry. There, there are probably more problems anyway. Um, <laughs> um, there was something similar to that, too. Uh, a more in-depth love story between Patrick Swayze's character, Jed, and Jennifer Gray's character, Tony. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, it says it was cut from the final movie at Swayze's suggestion. He didn't feel huh. it would work in the context of the film's plot. Coincidentally... Both stars are later going to appear romantically in Dirty Dancing in 87, three years later. Right. And <laughs> uh, and it's funny because on the set of Dirty Dancing, she said they never got along. Her and Patrick Swayze didn't get along well. So I wonder yeah. if that's the same from Red Dawn or something came from Red Dawn that spurned huh. that into that movie later on. But that was another one. That, that's another another love point, interest point. That would have been more, more acceptable because they were pretty much around the same age. Right, yep. Yep. But it, it was cut out as well, though, because I guess they figured there's no time for relationships when it's time for war. Who knows? Which is funny because that's one of the, I mean, it's one of the things that you do see quite a bit, actually. So, yeah, because that was another thing that Milius uh, purportedly kind of tried to base this around World War II and partisan groups that were active in France and other European countries during World War II. Lo- I mean, obviously very loosely, but, you know, takes took some of the ideas from that. Yeah, well, so trying to find some other parts here. That, uh, of course, while I'm looking for two things on here, nothing this good lasts for too long. I mean, you start seeing fatalities with the group. Um, you've got. I'm trying to remember who the first one killed was in the group. Was it, it was, uh, was it Daryl that they had that that they had to kill themselves, or was there somebody else before him? Well, I think Andy and Ardvark died because uh, they were on that battlefield with the tanks. And Andy and Ardvark both died during that battle, and I think that was first. Okay, so they hadn't they haven't killed Daryl yet, then. Correct. I think that happened like you know, and then Daryl was a month later. Okay. But I think Andy. I don't know how Andy would have handled the scene, um, at the end with Daryl, and I I, don't, I know he wasn't present for that scene in the movie, so I'm pretty sure he had gone first. Okay. So they started getting casualties. Daryl was because he basically was leading the enemy to him. He, he, he yeah, he the swallowed a bug. He swallowed a yeah. bug. So, and they didn't, you know, it's like they, they had to kill him. They were going to kill him, and Jed couldn't bring himself to do it. Right. And it's like at this point, C. Thomas Howe's character, and I can't remember what his name is in the movie, he had already become so hardened by this that he just didn't think a second about it. He just came up with his machine gun and pop, pop, pop. It's like that. Yes. And that was yep. it. You know, because, you know, hey, he's he's going to, He's going to get us killed. Yeah, well, and that's, yeah. Robert was uh, C. Thomas Howell's character. I was drawing a blank there for a second also. Robert, yeah. Robert. Robert, because that was one of the big deals with him was he kind of was, 
he had never hunted before. They took him out. They, he killed his first deer. They had him drink the blood. And then they, when they got to Mr. Mason's house, which is where they picked up the girls, Mr. Mason told them that they killed his father for aiding gorillas. Yeah. And the, the gorillas that he aided was them. Was them. Yeah. And so yeah. he's like, man, I, we killed my dad, you know? And he's like, no, son, they killed your dad. Yeah. And then at that point, that pretty much, that did it to him. That, that, that flipped a switch on him. Yeah, and he was all about taking people out at that point for sure. Uh, do you remember? I know you said you don't remember a lot about the remake. Did you see how they kind of made fun of the whole shooting the deer thing in the or the remake? No, I, I or I, I mean, or I got seriously probably have blocked it out from my mind. They, do so, tell. so they had so the two brothers take the 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 Robert character out to to, to shoot the deer. Mm-hmm. He shoots the deer. They're like, okay, man, you got to do it. You got to drink the blood. It's like the spirit of the deer. You got to drink the blood. It does this and that and blah blah blah. And so he finally drinks it. He goes, Oh, it tastes terrible. He goes, How'd you guys ever do it? And they're like, oh, I don't know what it tastes like. We never drank that. That was just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, Are you kidding? Are you kidding? He's spitting right and left. I'm gonna die. Oh my god. <laughs> and I was like, that would have been something I would have expected from the other movie, more or less. You know, it's not a real, you know, a real deal to drink the deer's blood, but the way they made fun of it, poked fun at it with that, I thought was kind of funny. That is uh, funny. Even though I don't like that version of the movie better, but it was a little nod at the old movie, you know, a little nod to it to say, hey, we know about you. We recognize you, you know, but we're going to poke a little fun at you at the same time. Right. Um, the um, the battles start to get a lot more, you know, intense. Even before Powers Booth gets there and the kids are taking everything out, they're saving people from getting executed. They're mm-hmm. spray painting their name everywhere. C. Thomas Howell's becoming the, quite the soldier. Robert's becoming quite the soldier. Everybody, Jed's doing a great job leading the group and everything. Um, like I said, everything comes to an end eventually. They get in this open field area in, in, in between a canyon, it looks like, mm-hmm. and they see a truck accidentally, you know, drop mm-hmm. some crates. So they wait a little bit to see if it's safe, and he sends one of the girls up there. She checks it out, and it's food. So she motions for them to come down. They start getting into the food and they take it back with them. They're just sitting there enjoying the, you know, the sun on them for a little bit, taking a break, eating the food. When these helicopters start coming over, they they found them again. I guess it was purposely dropped for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if something was tagged in that as well or something like that, but they end up catching them. So you got the other girl, uh, Jennifer Gray's character, Tony. Mm-hmm. Uh, she ends up getting shot. You've got Robert, who has decided it's now or never. I'm making my stand because you don't know. He don't know what's going to turn out from here. You're going to get chased on horseback, and I don't know if he is horse anymore or not. If something happened to it, I think his horse had gotten shot out from underneath him. Basically, yeah, it could have been it. So he 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 throws a little thing back around his face, mm-hmm. takes his takes his stance. Don't remember if he yelled Wolverines again or not. He may oh, yeah. have. Oh yeah, and he's sure. just shooting at that helicopter. I guess hoping he hits the 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 glass in the pilot or something, but he gets mowed down instead. Goes out on top. But if you ask me, he goes out heroically. Exactly. Go. Yeah. If anything, if anything, he's playing decoy to give the others a chance to get away while he's trying to take them out. And then of course the character of Tony getting shot like that and doing what she did. Uh, she didn't want to die like that, and Jed could not shoot her either. He couldn't bring himself to do it to put her out of her misery or anything. So he gives her a grenade. She asked for a grenade. And she so they pull the pen. She I guess it's she rolls over and I don't know if she dies before that. I think she did. The guy goes to move her over and the grenade rolls out and blows up, takes one last person out for her before she's you know, before it's over with. Yep. Now you're down to what? You got uh you're down to four now. You got the yep. two brothers. Yep. Matt and Jed. Yep, Matt and Jed, and then you got um, uh, Danny and uh, Erica. Danny and Erica. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. you remember these names. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I I, I can't. T- I, I, I it's it's probably shameful how many hours I've I've spent in front of this movie over my my life. So I, I debated watching it again last night. I watched it two weeks ago, <laughs> and I was gonna watch it last night. But you know, I'm also doing back to back shows today. I'm doing this one and I'm doing the next one. So I watched the okay. movie. I, I watched the movie. Last night for the next one. And, uh, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I'll tell you what it is when we stop recording. I don't want to give it away right. right now. But um, 
anyway, so I was like, should I do it? Nah, I just don't have time for another one right now, you know, so I, I put it on off. I figured two weeks ago was good enough, plus IMDb. I can keep up with it. Yeah. I'd probably watch it minutes before the show started, and I would forget their names anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not hard to do. It's not hard to do. Not. You know, this was Charlie Sheen's debut film? Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. I was, I was I like, neither. surely he'd been in something else. I was thinking, I was thinking, wasn't he in Outsiders too? And I was like, no, wait, that was Tom Cruise. That was Tom Cruise. Okay, or, fair or enough. Charlie. I was thinking well, he like, was actually. Yeah, I mean, I, I I didn't know this was his debut movie. Yeah, that was interesting for me to hear. Uh, there was a scene cut out also, and they figure they cut it out because, well, I let me tell. I'll tell you what it is first. I'll tell you what they cut it out. Okay. Uh, the original trailer on the Laserdisc release includes a scene with a tank rolling up to a McDonald's where enemy soldiers are eating. The scene did not appear in the final cut and was likely removed due to a mass murder at McDonald's in uh, San Cedro, California, a few weeks before the film opened. So if there hadn't been a mass murder at a McDonald's in California a few weeks before it opened, <laughs> that scene would have probably been in there. Nice. Well, and one of the things that got me about this doing research for this show, you know, versus just watching the movie was the statistic that at the time it was released, Red Dawn was to considered to be the most violent film ever by the Guinness Book of World Records and a national coalition on television violence with a rate of 134 acts of violence per hour, right? Two per minute. Right. Is it not something? <laughs> well, and <laughs> we haven't even talked about this was the first movie that was released that had the rating PG-13. You know, it's the first movie released, but it wasn't the first movie to get it. Correct, because Goonies had it, but they no. hadn't released. They didn't release Goonies for like a year. It wasn't Goonies. It was Flamingo Kid. Oh, okay, a Matt Dillon bit, so back yeah. to the Outsiders connection. Yeah. <laughs> Flamingo Kid had it, but it sat on the shelf for five months before okay. this was released. All right. So it didn't quite make the, uh, the, the cut first, but it was the first movie to get that rating. Uh, Red Dawn, as you said, first movie to be released to get a PG-13. Right. So, and not very surprising. It, it could almost pull an R rating. with all. The, yeah, with I all actually the listened to someone talking about it recently, and they said, I mean, in this day and age, this would have been an R-rated movie, hands down, full stop, no questions asked. I kind of agree with it. I mean, seems like it would be. So, I mean, like I said, you're down to four people now. You got yeah. the two brothers who are going into town. They're going to go in and I I don't remember if there was an exact reason other than giving the other two a chance to get out. Yep, just to create a distraction. Create a distraction for them because they told the two of them they want them gone. This is over with. It's done. That uh, you know, you know, we're we're calling it quits at this point, and we're gonna go in. We're gonna do this, and they don't want to do it at first. They want to stick behind with them. And uh, you know, Maddie's telling them somebody has to get out and tell the story. Somebody has to get out and tell them what happened. You know, Jed's going in. I'm not leaving him. I got to right. go with him. So it's it's for them. It's it's make or break here with them. And they both probably know that they're going in to die. They're probably going yes. in with the mindset that they're not coming back out, but they're going to take as many of them as they can with them going in, especially if they can get the one guy that they want to get. And um, I don't know if they anybody in particular in mind. The one person that almost understood them, in a sense, uh, the Russian guy. Was, was he a Russian guy or was he? I think he was supposed to be some kind of Latin American because he had said he was yeah. always a partisan. He had never been on the side of the invaders. He was always the resistance. So he was, yeah. I'm on the wrong side of the fence here. I need to know what to do. Yeah, <laughs> the Russians like, yeah, be a policeman. <laughs> there you go. He, he didn't, he, it's like he's the one that understood them the most and the desire yeah. to fight back. And he sees them come through. Uh, Maddie's already been shot by the one guy um, that uh, William was it William Smith. We said his name was. I'm off that page yeah. already. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so uh, he's already he's the one that that shot him, and uh, Jeb got him back. But in the process of Jeb getting him, Jeb took a hit as well. Both of them are shot at this point, and the only thing he can think of in the last, you know, their, their last moments is to take Maddie to that swing set where his father used to take him all the time. Yep. When things were happening. Yep. So uh, the guy sees him in passing, gets his gun pulled up, ready to shoot. And Jed is, you know, holding Maddie in his arm, stops and looks at him like, you know, just do it. You know, yeah. just do it, get it over with. 
and he pulls his gun down, so it's kind of like a little nod between them, I guess, and he takes off to the swing set with him and goes there, and then that's where they both die at. The only two to make it out were the two you probably least suspect they would make it out. And they yeah, kind of, I'd say. And they put everybody's names on the rock that was you know there and did stuff and everything. Um, they kind of broke it down at the end too, didn't they? About the, the outcome of everything, how long it went, or yeah, they said this war, like all wars, ended, and you know, but they made a um, like a national landmark or whatever out of that rock, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> um, I forget which one, not Jennifer Gray, but Leah Thompson's character reads this like eulogy or whatever for everybody, how she still goes up to the rock and reads the names on it or, or whatever years later. Right. Did you, did you hear, <laughs> let me go back up here too. So I read this correctly. All right. Uh, here's one of the, here's one of the two things. Soldiers of fortune magazine said the film's T-72 tank was such a good replica that while it was being carted around LA, two CIA officers followed it to the studio and wanted to know where it had come from. Yep. Well, and that's another thing with this movie with, with, not that $17 million isn't a significant budget, but I mean, they had to basically hand make tanks and trucks and then blow them up. Yes. <laughs> you know, everything, um, everything in this movie was scale. It was to scale. There was no miniatures. Nope. There was no, no green screen kind of work, nothing like that. Everything was to scale. The explosions were real. Yeah. So, I mean, $17 million all of a sudden doesn't sound like very much money. No, not really. For what you get out of it, everything. The on on the same sense of what I told you about the the tank, it says two CIA men came to the set having received. This is a, just another version of it. Mm-hmm. Having received reports of Russian tanks in the area, they were <laughs> they were relieved to hear the tanks were just for a movie. <laughs> well, I'm sure so, they were. <laughs> so between between Russian tanks being spotted and and, and concerned by people and. A paratrooper almost getting his life taken because he got blown off course. This movie almost had some casualties. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's crazy. Well, and, you know, like I say, it was the height of the Cold War, man. The spies and, and you know, and the Russians were the bad guys. You know, I mean, it was, I was, I, whatever, I'll date myself. I think I was 11 when this came out. And I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it when it was released for VHS because, you know, that was kind of the way it went. Same, same. But, but I mean, this this was, I mean, whatever, I was 12 or something, but this was believable to me. This was like, okay, you know, it, it wasn't that far-fetched. I mean, the 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 red, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, I guess, you know, it, 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 I guess it was, it was believable enough to me at that age anyway that the Russians could try this. They were definitely the big bad guys and they were our arch nemesis or whatever as Americans. Yeah. yeah. But it says here, now you remember the part where, uh, Tony goes into town and she, she's walking out of a building. Yep. And it says in the film, she sneaks into the town and blows up the Soviet American Friendship Center. Yes. The real-life National Council of American Soviet Friendship, a left-wing organization composed of Soviet and communist sympathizers, angrily denounced this movie as paranoid and militarist. <laughs> After the after the dissolution of the Soviet Union in ninety one, the NCASF, whose last president was John Randolph, disbanded. Well, they 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 denounced it. <laughs> You're paranoid people, full of militarists, and we're not having this. Yeah. Well, they uh, they darn sure weren't building all those tanks and all those AKs to uh, to invade Ukraine. You know, no, they, they were not. And 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 funny enough, while being invaded. What were what was the history lesson over for the class at the beginning of the movie? Oh, it was the Mongols. It was Genghis Khan. Yes, and what's Genghis Khan well known for? Uh, conquering all of Asia, <laughs> all the way to the like the streets of Greece or Rome or something. He he got like, I mean, into Europe. Yes, so you're talking about somebody who is known for invading and conquering, and next thing you know, you got paratroopers falling from the sky. <laughs> And Mr. Teasdale goes out to talk to him, and we all know how that turned out. That did not turn out very well at all. No. Man, very well at all. Well, it's a great movie. I, I loved it. Like I said, it's one of the best, one of the best movies that of the day of the 80s were action movies that I've ever seen, probably that I like I can watch over and over. And there's there's only so many movies I can do that with, you know. 
I got to have a big interest in it. Like, for example, I, I love Chuck Norris movies. I like mm-hmm. Lone Wolf, Wolf McQuaid. And uh, you and I are the same age, practically. It was 11 years he saw this movie. So, yeah. 73, I get it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Man. So, but, like, I can't watch Code of Silence, which is Chuck Norris. Mm-hmm. I just, I can't get into it. Something about the story of a certain movie brings you back over and over. Well, and um, that's the thing is this had story. It wasn't just action to be action. I mean, like, I'm that way about Schwarzenegger. I love Schwarzenegger flicks. I, I have an 11-year-old. We've watched Commando together because I was like, man, if you're going to watch a Schwarzenegger flick, let's let's sit down and watch Commando, you know? But I don't think I'd watch Commando again, you know I mean? Unless I was introducing it to somebody else. But this movie, I I, I seriously have probably watched this movie 100 times. I don't think that's an exaggeration. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Red Dawn. Uh, for me, uh, Red Dawn, uh, Last Starfighter, Big Trouble in Little China, The Goonies. I can yeah. watch Star Wars. I don't watch Star Wars as often as I did when I was younger, though. But I can go back and watch Star Wars again and be happy with it. I like it. You know, uh, but just some movies that I can't do that with. I'm, not, I'm just not going to. The the movie, I mean, the, the story of it is just not there. Uh, did you know a couple last things here I'll throw out here? Just right. in case people don't know, Emilio Estevez was originally cast as Jed, but he had to drop out due to other filming commitments. Really? And 84. I'm, not, I'm trying to think of what he had in 84 without actually. Let's see. I'm going to click on his name here and go to 84. Let's see what he did in 84 that he turned down this for. Like Repo Man or something? I hope not, because that wasn't a great movie. But Repo Man was out in '84. They could. Oh no filmed, way! They could be filming The Breakfast Club. Oh, and I, I, you know what? If you, I mean, of all the flicks, if you were going to cut Red Dawn to go film, I, I give you that one. That was an American classic, right there. Yeah, now that was in '85 when it was released. So we don't know when they started filming. It could have been started filming. Actually, so The Breakfast Club and Saint Elmo's Fire both went out in '85. Okay. Uh. But they weren't, um, I don't know when they were filmed exactly. His next movie after that was Maximum Overdrive, and that was in 86. Yeah, that one I remember pretty well, too. That's one of kind of a cult classic type deals I can watch over and over. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. Of, because just the, the thing that it is and everything. But I, I, would, I would assume it's the Breakfast Club's the reason why he turned it down. That's a, that was a smart, I guess that was a smart move. I mean, we get Swayze. Swayze plays the character real well. Yeah. You know. And you would have, but if 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 Emilio had taken it, taken it, they'd been real life brothers playing movie brothers, playing real life brothers. Yeah, yeah. There you, there you go. Well, I guess we're gonna take pretty much at the end of this here. We don't have much more we can talk about the movie. So if you would throw it out there again one more time about the podcast, in case somebody come in late and uh, kind of fast forwarded a bit and gets to this and hears about your podcast again. All right. So uh, I we do a weekly podcast. It's called Three Cousins. Uh, you can find us at three cousins.com. Um, it's just me and two of my cousins hanging out and uh, humorously arguing about a topic generally. Generally, I mean, it's pretty lighthearted. The important part for us is that at the end of the day, we do still love each other and we, you know, we get along, even though we don't always agree on everything, you know. We argue about the really important topics, like should you keep your butter on the counter or in the fridge? You know, I mean, it's earth, earth moving topics that we argue about. If it's on the counter, it can't be close to the stove. There you go, and it's got to be salted. Yeah, we don't want it to melt. So yeah. there you go. Everybody, if you get a chance, check them out. Are you on social media as well, or? Yeah, we have a Facebook. Uh, if you just if you hit on Facebook and hit three cousinscom it'll come up. Um, most of your podcast aggregators, I know we're on Spotify and, and Apple Podcasts. Um, we have an issue with Google Podcasts right now. If you're on there, you will not find us for whatever reason they dropped us. Um, Spotify is probably the easiest place to find us anyway. I think Spotify and iTunes are your two major places people find their stuff anyway, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, uh, getting on the I others, so. well, getting on the others kind of ups your chances of getting more listens, but you know, it's it's like us on this one here. I, I'll just go ahead and put ours out in here on this one. Uh, for this podcast, most everybody that listens knows where you find me at. I'm on, like he said, Spotify, iTunes. I'm hosted on Anchor.fm, so it plays directly from there. But iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, um, uh, uh, Stitcher, uh, Podbean, 
a couple other places I know of has has uh, people listened to me on there before. So it's available several quite a few places. But the two major places you get your listens are usually iTunes and Spotify. As long as you're there, I'd say you're going to get some listens and some attention for sure. And if you guys want some good, lighthearted fun, take a listen to the guys, Three Dash Cousins. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. They are quite humorous to listen to, banter back and forth with each other. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that it, endorsement. It, it's almost like Beavis and Butthead plus another. There you I, go. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know who the third would be, but I mean, as far as I don't, I don't mean y'all, y'all look like Beavis and Butthead, but the, you know, the, 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 the type of comedy, you know, the bantering and everything. It's just kind of silly stuff. Beavis and Buddy was always silly to me more than anything. Yeah. So, but but they, it was it was just real enough that you could relate. Exactly. Exactly. So definitely a blast. So well, I mean, we'll go ahead and wrap this up then. Hey man, thanks for coming on and taking the time to talk about Red Dawn. Uh, Anytime. Uh, like I say, it was one of my favorite movies. Maybe we can do this again with with another movie. I, I may not be as knowledgeable, but uh, I had a good time. Thanks for having me. Hey, we can always do another movie anytime. So if I can tell everybody that comes on the show, everybody that comes on and talks, always welcome back another time around. Two times, three times, four times. I, I, I got return people. I got some return people. People like me. Darn it. Well, you're likable. I, you but, know. But how's that go with Saturday Night Live, the old character that oh, I'm uh, smart enough, I'm good enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. People like me. Now that I'm done tooting my own horn, we'll go ahead We'll go ahead and wrap this up, man. Once again, thanks for coming on. Everybody check them out. We'll see you guys next episode.